Welcome to the EDM Producers Podcast. I'm Tone 40, I'm your host, and this is the show where we interview successful EDM producers, talk about their production techniques, how they got started, and any other tips that will help you guys out there become better producers. So, let's get started. We're here now with EDM producer Carrier Signal, also known as John Mullins, formerly known as Acid One, and we're going to be talking with him today about his production techniques, software, and tons of other info about EDM production in general, and what makes John so unique. So how's it going, John? Good. How are you doing, man? Doing not bad. Not bad. Uh, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. My pleasure. Well, let's just start at the beginning. I always like to ask this first, and uh, you're an EDM producer. Um, you have some unconventional, in my mind, unconventional techniques that I can't <laughs> wait to get into. But first, how did you get into EDM production? Um, I think I've been, always been messing around with music pretty much my whole life, but I think it started off getting serious in high school when I like um, downloaded a program called Rebirth, and it was you know two three oh threes and eight oh eight and a nine oh nine, and uh, Propeller Heads made it. I don't know if you remember that or not, but I quickly discovered the limitations of it, you know. And then so looking for alternatives, you know, I basically stumbled across this program called Buzz, and at the same time the demo scene was really popular. And uh, apparently they were using that sort of thing for the demo scene. And then also around the same time, I discovered Aphex Twin. And I was like, how does that guy do this? And it's just kind of taken off from there. Now, what is Buzz? Is that uh, just a sequencer? Buzz is actually a modular tracker. So not only is it a, um, a tracker style interface, but also the way that you connect all the channels together and... Uh, you know, make all the sounds and do all the effects is modular. So it's very similar to like Reactor or Max MSP um, in a sense, but the arrangement is done in a tracker. So I, I basically dove headfirst into two unorthodox methods, like from the from the get go. Yeah, and that that is one of the things that I, I wanted to bring up. That unconventional thing I was talking about earlier is that you use Renoise to do your production. And Absolutely, that is a tracker. It's a um, it's a modern tracker. It's a tracker that you know most tracker programs are slowly dying or have died, or you, you have to use it on the Atari. And this is this is a tracker that was written very recently. It's actively worked on, and uh, it works in both OS X, Linux, and Windows. That's killer because yeah. I have been trying to fire up a couple of Linux machines here. That would be a fun thing to pioneer, like just totally making an album on Linux. Don't oh yeah, have you done that yet? I have not made a whole album on Linux yet. Um, <laughs> I heard Jack is kind of shaky at the moment, but I'm definitely interested in doing that. Yeah, um, I'm also a little bit of an Apple fanboy, so it's very nice making music on Apple laptops. It's my thing these days. <laughs> yeah, you and most of the population. I'm I'm back on PC. I go back and forth every time. I just get bored of one from the other. But um, yes, I don't blame you at all. But <laughs> Core Audio is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I know. Renoise, uh, I've, I've downloaded every doll there is, and I like just downloading dolls, messing with them, seeing how intuitive they are, how easy I could just make something quick. And I remember downloading Renoise and going, I'm just completely lost. <laughs> For anybody out there who doesn't know what a tracker is, um, can you give us a quick like, rundown of what a tracking program is and how do you make music with it? Sure. So like a conventional DAW, I guess, typically goes from the, the beginning of the song starts on the left side of the screen, if you will. And over time, it works to the right side of the screen. Also, you know, um, MIDI notes are typically entered in via piano roll interface. So you basically draw 
lines to represent, you know, note lengths and things like that. And, you know, you record audio into the DAW and it goes left to right. And, you know, for the most part, you use your mouse to do all these operations. A tracker, on the other hand, goes from top to bottom. So the beginning of your song is actually at the top of the, the program and the end of your song is at the bottom. Also, instead of using a piano roll and entering things in via rectangles, you actually type everything in with a keyboard. And therefore, all the data that you see for your song ends up as a bunch of letters and numbers and hexadecimal and whatnot. So for instance, instead of drawing you know, C in the octave of four, you literally type C-4. And then when you want that note to end, you, you type off. And so, you know, you end up with this screen full of bits flying all over the place and it looks like a big spreadsheet and people think you're messing around with Excel instead of being productive and working on music. <laughs> Sometimes I guess that could be a benefit. Yes, that is true. I have opened it up in work multiple times and nobody said anything. They're like, oh, I'm going to leave you alone. <laughs> I know. Well, that is one thing about trackers is they look so cool as they're playing. Yep. Especially, um, you, can, you know, you have control over the resolution. So... It, you typically talk about that in terms of uh, ticks per beat. And, you know, a tick is basically each horizontal row. And so you can basically choose per beat, you know, if you have 140 beats per minute, how many ticks, how many rows you want in between the two beats. Um, and when you work at those higher resolutions and you have like eight ticks per beat or 16 ticks per beat or 32 ticks per beat, it just looks like the matrix, basically, like numbers are just right. flying down the screen. I see. So the more ticks per beat, the longer it gets on the screen. Yeah, the more things you can shove between two beats, basically. <laughs> yeah, you, you can make. You feel like you can make songs faster with the tracker than with just a standard DAW. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I will say, like raw, just like edits per second, I can definitely make songs quicker. But you know, traditional DAWs, there are advantages to them, and I, I do think it's much easier to do like audio tracks. Or, you know, recording, you know, bands playing live or, you know, MIDI manipulation. I do, I do think those things are better in a standard DAW. Very cool. Now, what kind of music do you make? Gosh, that's a tough question. <laughs> um, well, I would definitely say that I make experimental music first and foremost. Um, I, I came from a time when, like, drill and bass, you know, Aphex Twin, Square Pusher, Autech or Venetian Snares, when that type of music was, you know, at the forefront of experimental electronic uh, definitely more heavily like edited um, music um, with a strong drum and bass influence. Um, but I've experimented over the years, you know, 16 years of doing this, you just start branching out and trying other things and doing different stuff. I mean, I was, I've been experimenting with classical music a lot lately, for instance. Um, it just depends, depends on my day, but you know, I definitely always go back to the aggressively edited drum and bass stuff. <laughs> I see. Now, if somebody wanted to like, get a feel for what's really in your wheelhouse, like a song that you're really proud of and kind of represents what you do, what would that be and where could they get it? Um, <clears throat> I definitely recommend that they check out uh, my drinking song, which I wrote this year. Um, it's an Irish jig core. I'm coining that term song. It's an Irish jig basically with, uh, you know, some pretty frantic, hectic editing going on. And it's just, it's a lot of fun. It doesn't take itself too seriously. The only lyric is drink. There's all these big, huge, massive bass lines in the background and drums flying all over the place. We're definitely not taking ourselves too seriously, but we're definitely having a lot of fun and we're definitely experimenting and trying stuff that, you know, maybe nobody else has tried yet. And where can people get that? 
Um, they could definitely get off of my SoundCloud, and that's uh, www.soundcloud.com forward slash acid one, A C I D, and then the number one. And what's the name of that song? My Drinking Song. Okay. I definitely got to check that one out. Yeah. And definitely do it while you're having a beer, you know? Definitely do it while you're enjoying it. Maybe, um, maybe over the holidays or maybe uh, St. Patrick's Day, whatever's coming up. <laughs> I will. In fact, I'm going to make a note of that. If I have several beers, I'm going to seek that out right at that moment. Yeah. And I'm not going to listen to it before that. Okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what, what are your plans for the future uh, as far as making music? Well, I'm working on an album right now with a female vocalist. Um, her name is Michelle Harrell. Uh, we have a project called The Runaway Girl. Um, it's mostly soulful R&B, um, folky uh, uh, vocals with experimental electronic um, background beats. Um, it's definitely more music theory oriented. Um, it's not as crazy or anything like that. Um, and I'm, all, I'm also working on a solo album at the moment. And I haven't quite figured out where that's going, but I have about four songs in the work at the moment. And it may have a classical edge. Nice. When do you think you're going to be done? Or you have no clue? I'm actually aiming for both projects to be done at the end of February. Whether that happens or not is a completely different story. So um, every February, for at least for the past six years, I've done this thing called the RPM Challenge. And what the RPM Challenge is, is it's the, the goal is for musicians to finish their music in the month of February. Some musicians start their music and finish it all in the month of February. Some musicians write all the music and then just record it all in the month of February. I usually just aim to finish it all. So hopefully those two albums will be done at the end of February. So how do you play that? You, you have to do it in February or you just have to finish it in February? Um, the goal at the end of the month is to send a CD, fully produced CD, like finished product um, into RPM HQ. There's no awards or anything. It's really just there to help musicians get unlazy and make things that they maybe normally wouldn't. And, uh, you know, I did it, I did it back in 2008. I made a whole month or a whole album in the month of February and it was just an amazing experience. And there's a whole bunch of great people over there and they're all sitting in IRC with you and they're all going crazy trying to get some snare drum to sound right. And people are meeting each other and collaborating with each other or whatever. So it's just a cool community to hang out in. And, um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, it's been helpful to me, I guess, to stay productive. I've had, I think I've written an album every year for the past six years. Wow. What's the name of that site? It's um, the rpmchallenge.com. I don't know if their site is up at the moment, but... Um, well, it's not for RPM. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think they're redesigning it right now. I think they're okay. fixing some code and things like that. That's cool. Of course, they pick the month with the least amount of days. Yeah, I mean, they're... They, um, that was one of the reasons also, you know, February is just kind of this like boring, cold month. You know what I mean? And I think it's a, I think it's a good thing to do. That's like a good month to do. It's kind of like NaNoWriMo, but for musicians, the write a novel on a month thing. I see. Hey man, I think it's great. I I definitely procrastinate. So. Yep. And it's cold for everybody else in the U S but not us. Right, John? (laughs) (laughs) No, not us. Although it was a little bit chilly today, but yeah. I mean, I come from Arizona, so that should be a good enough excuse. Pretty much anything under 120 degrees is cold to me. Yeah, right. I know, man. It, but for anybody listening, we both live in Florida. Yeah. Um, most of my friends, they live up north, Maryland, um, New York, Illinois. And, you know, they're like, it's so cold. And they're sending me all these pictures of snow. And I, rem- I the other day, I took a picture in my car of the temperature gauge in my car. It was 67 degrees. 
And I'm like, man, I'm freezing my ass off down there. And I <laughs> sent it up to them. And oh, man, they hate when I do that. I especially will admit. When, oh, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, especially when there's palm trees in the picture. That really gets them going. Yeah, I, I stuck the knife in, I think, two weeks ago and twisted it where I basically took a picture of myself swimming in the ocean. You know? <laughs> oh, man. And everybody's like, oh, I can't even go in the ocean when it's summertime. <laughs> that is a good one. I got to try yeah. that. So uh, let's just get into a couple more technical things here, and then we'll okay. end it off soon. I want to know what some of your favorite plugins are or effects, devices, whatever that you like to use when you're producing. Uh, I'm going to give away all my secrets, huh? Um, <laughs> well, I'm definitely an audio guy. I definitely like working at, like, I like getting things down in audio as quickly as possible and manipulating them. Renoise is a great platform for manipulating pure audio. So, and in fact, like, they have this. Um, auto freeze, you know, capability where you can basically freeze a whole instrument or, you know, you, they basically sample every note going up or they'll just like freeze like a channel of audio. And I'll typically throw that into like contact and mess with it even further. Although the sampler that's built into Renoise is really good. Um, that being when said, you say, when you say freeze it, you mean it starts out as a MIDI um, or an, a MIDI instrument and then yeah. freeze it to audio and then pop it into a contact? Yeah, contact or just pop it right back into Renoise. They, they have a really pop, like, powerful sampler in there. I mean, the whole thing's based, basically built on a super powerful sampler. So you're not a real MIDI guy, like doing MIDI manipulation as much um, as you like? Because I know a lot of people do like, they like to take something, make it audio as fast as possible, and then, you know, yeah, tweak the bejesus out of it. Yeah, no, I definitely enjoy MIDI, and I definitely like experimenting around with, you know, some of the, uh, you know, some of the things you can do in, like, Max for Live, for instance, like setting, sending crazy amounts of MIDI data to things, or, uh, you know, some of the Lemur apps, like Node.js, for instance, where it has that rotating um, line that if it, like, bypasses these two thresholds, it'll trigger a random MIDI note within a, you know, a chord progression. I mean, I, I think that stuff is really cool, but, um, yeah, definitely more of an audio guy. I see. Um, and Max that being, for Live, that's, you could plug that right into uh, Renoise? No, you cannot plug it right into Renoise, but if you have OSX, you can sync the MIDI pretty easily between the two of them, <laughs> which I do. Um, I, you know, I basically have them share the same IAC bus in OSX, and then you know, I'll run Ableton alongside uh, Renoise, and then I can basically just drag and drop audio directly into Renoise. What's an IAC bus? Yeah, it's basically a, like a universal... Um, MIDI channel in OSX. I think the equivalent on Windows is like MIDI yoke or something like that. Okay. Um, but basically I can say, you know, send, I can send MIDI data between applications very easily if I pick my MIDI channel being this IAC bus, I essentially see. is what it comes down to. Neat. That works. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but in um, terms of plugins, I've been dancing around the question here. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah. What do you, what do you got? I'm definitely into NI complete. Although I only have NI5. Um, and then I'm also, in terms of effects, I'm really big. I mean, actually, in terms of instruments and effects, I'm really big into the fab filter stuff. Really? I always wanted yeah. to get into that. I never plunked down the money for it, though. Uh, what, what, what fab filter stuff do you like? Honestly, I like all of it. Um, <laughs> if I had to pick, I mean, the, uh, the Pro-Q, their, equal, their equalizer is really nice. The people that are familiar with like logic and are familiar with the visual way that you can dial into specific bands and like visually and also you know solo them and then adjust them really hardcore you'll, you'll get right into uh, pro q wow. um, very powerful their limiters absolutely incredible um and then their their synthesizer twin two is 
really, really, really nice as well. They just came out with a um, side chainable equalizer, which I have not gotten yet, but that's going to be that's definitely on my to do list. Wow, I'm just on the site now checking it out as you're talking about it. Yeah, they're definitely people. For, they're definitely for visual learners. I would say that they give you a lot of information visually about you know what what the audio looks like and you know where it's going based upon what you're doing. And you know it's really easy to find those resonant frequencies. They're just destroying your mix. You know yeah. what I mean? It's yeah. Yanking them right out. Very cool. And a, what would you do with a side chainable equalizer? You're able to um, EQ things with the side chain. Yeah. So you know you could basically if you had a kick drum going on and you had a baseline you know with the the equalizer on it you could say listen to that baseline and you know just drop the bass frequencies of this channel you know where most sidechain compression just lowers the whole track volume wise yeah. this one this one picks it up based off of frequency bands wow and i think that's really cool so i mean they really do everything they can to make things fit in the mix really well that's wicked awesome yeah um, cool and what stuff. do you like from ni just all the ni stuff incomplete yeah, I mean, I'm definitely big on massive. I mean, that's obvious. Um, definitely big on FM8. I kind of know what I'm doing in there now. It took me a while, but <laughs> I think I know what I'm doing now a little bit more. Man, if you could uh, figure out a tractor, you could figure out anything. So yeah. I'd give that to I don't me. know. There's some tough stuff out there, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> FM8 is awesome. Uh, Contact, obviously, you know, is really, really cool. And Absinthe, too. I like, I, I mean, and especially the library that comes with Absinthe. I mean, when I'm really looking for just a different sound, I'll definitely look towards absence. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I'm usually in favor of instruments that are playable. It has to have like tonality and I, I have to be able to play it like on, pian on a piano type of thing. Right. And I, I remember when I bought Complete, I'm like, I can't play any of these things. Like none of the, the presets were playable. They were all like these long soundscape things or they're like right. totally monotone or something, something crazy. It's, but there's so much stuff in there. And every synthesizer is definitely able to play something playable. It was just all little too complex for what i wanted so but i know exactly what you're talking about and absinthe i hardly ever go in there because i can't none of the patches are playable right off the bat <laughs> yeah they definitely take some you know um they, they definitely take some time to get used to i do yeah. like the fact how you can import sounds into it and use those as oscillators and i definitely like the flexibility that they give you with the envelopes so Neat. yeah no I, I mean i just reach for it when i'm like eh, I, I, I know i need something else but i just don't know what it is yeah yeah, little no. playground. Yeah, I could I could see that. And I, I uh, did you notice that the newest version of Complete has like fifty pianos in it or something like that now? Yeah, so, I, I have nine. No, I have eight. Okay, most of those pianos. You know, honestly, a lot of them are not that good. Oh, they really? Beautiful. Yeah, they're like oh Berlin Grand and New York <laughs> this, but they just they don't have the sound to me like the bite. Like I've had some cheaper plugins that I think have more of you know presence than them, but. Maybe you need to wait for them to come out with a piano called Tampa, and then I'm sure that one will sound great. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. They'll probably do it. They came out with everything else. They came yeah. out with like a 10-story tall piano. I can't remember the name of that one. The Superman. Now, a lot of the effects in your music, like the electro sounds, yep. do you make them or do you sample them? Have, I mean, have them as samples. Um. I, I definitely use samples for some like the the starting points of a lot of my drum work. I don't have a drum set over here, unfortunately, um, so I definitely use samples in that regard. The synth tones and the you know the melodies and the chord progressions and the random effects are usually done by me, um, and they're usually also heavily affected as well. Um, How do you affect it? What are your favorite effects? Fab filter stuff, or you use other stuff? 
fab filter, but I mean, I'm really, I'm definitely a guy who likes to like mess with automation. I love automating the heck out of everything essentially. And then, you know, sometimes I'll just come across this chunk of audio that just sounds bizarre. And I don't know how I got that way, but it sounds completely awesome. And so <laughs> I'll try to extrapolate on that. I'll throw that into the sampler and take it a step further, basically. Gotcha. Well, that's commendable, man. Making up your you know, all the synth sounds or a lot of the synth sounds being your own because there's some really cool stuff in your music. And, you know, if you're just making that up and like finding that in instruments and effects, that's killer. That's really cool. Thanks, man. Lots of, um, lots of playing things like, like uh, granular synthesis, you know, is definitely my thing. I, you know, I definitely, I mean, a, a good exercise, I think, is to try to make a, a song out of one sound, like grab a snare drum. Uh, you know, and try to make a whole entire track out of just that snare drum. Really? Have you done I that? think the things, yeah, actually, the first uh, track they made in Ableton, I did that. I, I don't think I'm going to share this particular song, but yeah, the first track I did in Ableton, I just, I just used one snare drum. And, you know, you zoom in really far and you find something that looks like a sine wave and you turn that into a bass tone, you know, then you layer some of them together and, you know, all of a sudden you have, you know, synth type tones, then you start adding effects to those and, you know, reverb and delays and you have big, long, you know, pads. And I mean, the things you can do at a granular level, I mean, are basically endless. I mean, a lot of my bass lines that I do these days are just me zooming in on vocals and things like that. And just, you know, grabbing a small chunk of some vocal and shifting the start endpoints out the sample and things like that. And then what, throwing it in the uh, Renoise sampler? Yeah. You really? know, just further messing with it. Yeah. I mean, th there's a time when I was trying to achieve specific sounds through synthesizers and it never sounded exactly how I wanted it to sound. So I kind of just gave up on that pursuit and just kept messing with sounds until I thought they sounded awesome, essentially. That's so cool that you just yeah. literally tear apart audio and just pull the pieces out. That, and that makes up your songs a lot of times. I think working with Renoise, you're forced to think about things at like a micro scale. You're, you're forced to think about things that are really like you're just looking at like a, a page of one second. You know what I mean? So it's natural for me to grab those little tiny pieces and do things with them. I guess it's like always looking at things with a microscope essentially. Yeah. That's cool. I think it's good advice for people who are looking to produce. Yep. Snare drums, use them for everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we're going to be wrapping up. So what other advice, like what didn't we cover in this that you would like, you know, budding producers, people who are out there actually producing right now, any, uh, tips or anything you would like to say to those folks? I would definitely say, you know, know what you're doing it for. And if, if you're like me and you're doing it for yourself, make sure that you're having fun with it. Make sure that this is something that you enjoy doing, you know, because the, the, the more that you enjoy it and the more like comfortable that you feel playing around with, you know, the tools, the, the, the better you'll learn them. And I think the better music will come from it ultimately. Awesome. And don't, don't learn too much music theory. I'm just kidding. You know, I think a lot of producers out there don't. <laughs> I don't think it's required. I, I took guitar lessons for a while, but yeah, man, it's just whatever sounds good. You're the boss. Yeah, you're definitely. Music. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Cool, man. Well, where could people find you? And um, they want to buy your stuff or just listen to your stuff? Where could we find out more about you? And where? How? How do we contact you? Um, you could definitely go to my SoundCloud, which I mentioned earlier. It's uh, SoundCloud.com forward slash Acid One. And if you wanted to, if you want to buy some of my music, it's all pay what you want. You can put in $0, you can put in $500. It's up to you. That's all at a uh, carrier signal.bandcamp.com. Carrier signal all being one word. Awesome. Well, man, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for coming on the interview. 
Yeah, definitely. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. And thanks to everybody for listening. This is Carrier Signal. Definitely check out his stuff. Um, also previously known as Acid One, you can find his SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash Acid One. Check out his Bandcamp and um, definitely hear his stuff. It's I guarantee you will find it interesting. I guarantee. Okay. Check out a tracker if you're curious too. Yeah, pull up a tracker, download uh, Renoise and see if you could figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thanks again, John. Yep, absolutely. And that's going to conclude this episode of the EDM Producer Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you want to help out the show, head on over to iTunes and leave a review, preferably a good one. It helps the show immensely, and we would really appreciate it. So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.